and uh, share my testimony. And uh, one of the things that I know uh, is that I was way young when I became a father. I was only 21, and I didn't have a clue what I was doing. So uh, I was very inexperienced, but somehow I, I made it through. Uh, I made it through, and, and we uh, becoming a uh, becoming a father, and and uh, all that experience. One of the greatest. Uh, one of the greatest joys in my heart was the, the time when I saw Josh walk down that aisle and become a Christian. That was, uh, that was one of the greatest times that I will remember in, in the best experience. And, uh, you know, hearing him sing and uh, having, a, having a voice and being, using his talent, you know, in, in that Christmas program. I can't, I, I always remember that Christmas program that we did, Smoky Mountain Christmas, and and hearing him sing that uh, little song that he did over there and looking out that window. And uh, that was, uh, if if there was a time I was any prouder, I've never been prouder of uh, of him when he did that song. Uh, It was like, you know, he was on Broadway or he was, uh, you know, on, uh, on, in in New York singing or something. It was just, it was a very proud time in my life. And, uh, he was the light of my life, you know, and, but when we lost him in uh, 1990, 1994, it was very difficult for me, and uh, I, I thought about just quitting, you know, I thought about just giving it all up, giving up my family and giving up church and everything. Believe me, it, it was uh, a, a very difficult uh, time in our life, but you know, uh, God was with me through all of that, and uh, I wasn't raised to to be that way, to just to give up, to just to, um, just to stop what I was what I was always taught to do. So uh, I always uh, I depended on God, of course, and and my church family, my family to uh, help me through that time. And uh, I thank God that one of the best things that ever happened to me is when I came to this church uh, and became. Uh, we, came, we became members here and, and, uh, was, and started working in this church. So uh, it's been, a, been about 25 years now, and I thank God for, for bringing me here and, uh, and my church family for helping, helping us through that difficult time. And uh, it, was a, it was truly a, a, a hard time, it, it, but, it, but God helped me through it, and I'll always remember the, the verse that came to, my, came to my mind and came to my heart when I... Uh, when all when I was going, was going through all that, it was Romans eight twenty eight. Mm-hmm. It may it may seem uh, that verse may may be difficult uh, to some some people because everything that happens, whether it's good or bad, happens for a reason. And uh, I I take that uh, I take that literally to heart. And even uh, uh, I, I have opportunities now. People ask me if I have children. And that just gives gives me an opportunity to witness to people. It gives me an opportunity to, that opens the door. So everything happens for a reason, and I take that as a reason too. Uh, you know, I got to hand it to to Rose for uh, uh, being the the mother and the father for uh, 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 for Rory. And uh, you know, after we lost Terry, um, I thought that uh, <clears throat> that my role would change. And it did quite a bit. I wanted to support Rory in every way I could, and I am the least athletic person you've ever met. I I have no coordination at all, and I know nothing about basketball. 
but I know how to videotape a, a game, and I know how to put together a video. So I did a lot of that, and we rode together in, to games and uh, back and forth to church. He learned to drive in, in my old truck. It, it has manual uh, transmission, manual steering, and manual brakes. And if he can learn to drive in, in, in my old truck, then he can learn to drive anything. So uh, uh, Rory learned to drive my truck, and you know we, we spent a lot of time together. And you know, uh, we, one of my favorite times was when he asked me to uh, go with him to get his license. So, so we went to Athens, and, and he got his license. You know, and I thought after that time that he'd kind of be on his own, that he would want to, uh, <clears throat> that he'd uh, ride with somebody else or his friends to games. And I asked him that uh, after he got his license, do you want to ride with me to the games? And he says, oh, I wouldn't have it any other way. <coughs> and that touched me very deeply. And uh, <coughs> I thank God for what I have with Rory. And uh, Rory, I love you. And thank you for letting me be a part of your life. Amen. You know, I was, uh, <coughs> I was trying to fill a hole in Rory's life, but Rory filled a hole in mine. And I thank God for that. There's, a, <clears throat> there's something I want to say. That older guys, that you will, uh, you will have younger guys looking up to you. And uh, younger guys, you find somebody that you can look up to and, and uh, uh, help, that'll help pattern your life. I was fortunate to have a lot of men in my life, a lot of uncles and, and people, godly men that helped me along the way. And I thank God for that. And, uh, and of course, in this church, there's men. Uh, I thank God for Tim and, uh, and what he's doing in those guys' lives back there and uh, opening up his home the way he does. Amen. And all the other, uh, our youth leaders, thank you so much for what you do. All right? That's all I can say. Thank you, Brother Bill. All right. Brother Cast. I guess I'll just pick out my son, Doug. Uh, uh, Doug was, a, when he started out in life, he, when he was a little child, he was always uh, read to about, uh, you know, the Word of God and talked about, we talked about uh, Jesus. And also, we had the best babysitter in the world, and she always was reading to him. And Anyway, he, he just uh, always was, very concerned about uh, the church, and he loved Jesus, and was saved at a young age. And uh, he uh, he went on to uh, get he got saved at a young age. Went on to uh, uh, make the, to be a minister at a young age, around 18, 19. And uh, he uh, he uh, is, is, he's get all of his life. He has worked for the Lord. He spent his whole lifetime. Uh, working for God and doing the Lord's work. And he's raised two children that uh, uh, <clears throat> they're just the way he was. Uh, the oldest one now is just out getting out of college. And uh, the, the daughter, she uh, she's 19 and she's been teaching Sunday school and doing anything in the church that she can do, you know. Uh, 
from the time she was old enough. And what I'm trying to say is that it's just very important for uh, the father to to take the big part and the lead in, in uh, uh, starting children out at a young age. You can't start them out too young. And uh, <clears throat> you need to start them out as soon as they are old enough to understand. And of course, I know some people that even prayed for them before they were born. And I don't know that that works, but uh, it can't do any harm. So I, I think that uh, the, the most important thing you can do for a young child is to get them on the right track. Amen. And uh, don't uh, mean to be bragging, but I am proud of my son Doug and uh, his family. like I were to be laying down up here this beach scene. <laughs> I'll take Cody's time today too since he's not here. Brother Bill told us to talk two and a half minutes, three minutes or less. I suggested maybe he talks 30 minutes or less. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's wishful thinking. It's a wishful thinking of that two and a half minutes too. Because I do like to talk. But believe it or not, at one time I was bashful and wouldn't talk to anybody. Um, I want to tell you how I became a Christian. I was raised in a Christian home. My mother and dad, my whole family, the Church of Christ. I went to church every time the doors were open, and I was made to go to church. And really, I just went through the motions. When I was in the seventh grade, mother asked me if she didn't, if I didn't think it was about time that I was baptized. So I got baptized, you know, and rocked right along. And uh, as long as I was there, uh, I went to church as long as I was at home. And that's something I've always said. I've heard parents say, well, you know, he's 15 or she's 15, 16, and she won't go to church. Well, as long as they're in my house, they will go to church. And, you know, that's where a father should take responsibility. Uh, but I went away to school uh, in Montgomery, got a baseball scholarship and went down there and uh, that's all I went for. I didn't go to study. I could have cared less about grades. Wasted a year of uh, my life and daddy's money. Come back to Florence State, which is now UNA, went a year and a half. Um, there again, didn't care, cut class, and made the dean's list. <laughs> Never forget it. Exact words that the letter said. It said, important academic matters require you to report to this office immediately. <laughs> and Dean Turner Allen proceeded to tell me that I was out of school, and if he had his way about it, I wouldn't get in school anywhere else. And so that was the end of my schooling. <laughs> then I hit the real world. Um, I drifted away. I was really just, I don't know, you know, how you are at that age. I really had no aim in life, no purpose in life. Um, and then I met Diane. Um, we were going, some friends of mine, two or three of us were out riding around one night and we went by Lauderdale County High School and saw a light on in one of the buildings so we had to check it out. They were having a Sadie Hawkins dance. Does anybody here know what a 
Y'all older, older people know what Sadie Hawkins dance is. That's where the girls invite the boys uh, to come to the dance. Well, we wasn't invited, but we went anyway. And while I was in there, I saw one of the most beautiful girls I'd ever seen. And of course, it was Diane, so I found out her name. Now, she was in the 10th grade when I was a senior, and I never, as far as I know, I never saw her in school. I probably did, probably passed her in the hall, but I didn't know her. But I made up my mind I was going to get to know her. So, uh, you know, I was talking about being bashful. I was so bashful that my best friend, Phil Taze, called her, told her he was me, and got my first date with her. <laughs> he done good, and then we double dated on the first date. I don't know why Diane, uh, I don't know why she even went with me. I guess she looked at me as a reclamation project or something. <laughs> but I do believe that God puts people in our lives, and I honestly believe that he put her in my life. Amen. Because without her, I don't know where I'd be today. I'd probably either be dead or in prison. I'd be honest with you. But through Diane, I've came into the most wonderful family in the world. Y'all remember Mr. and Ms. Camp. Wonderful people. And you know, this wasn't just luck. I think this was all planned by God. Amen. Um, and I remember, you know, I told you that I'd gone through the motions, and I don't mean to take up a lot of time, but I have got a lot I'd like to say. Uh, I'd gone through the motions, and this was after we were married. Tommy, uh, Diane's brother, was in seminary in Louisville, and we'd gone up to visit, and we were on our way back, and Miss Camp asked me, she said, if you died tonight, where would you go? And I said, I'd go to hell. And from there on, uh, she continued to talk to me about Christ, and, and I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. Um, some things that I had trouble with in the Church of Christ, you know, the once all saved, always saved thing. I had a big thing with that because I'd never been in another church until I came into this church. And I want to say that the first time I came into this church, I felt like I'd been here all my life. It's just home. Um, but anyway, uh, I want to put a plug in right here for visitation. You don't mind that, do you? <laughs> Pete and Eula B. Gully invited Mr. and Ms. Camp to church. That's the way they got started coming to church. And through that, we never know what's going to happen when we invite somebody to church. Tommy is a pastor and has been for many years. There's no telling how many people have been saved through that. Um, but, um, you know, it just, um, it's just amazing how God works. Of course, we've been in this church, Diane, all her life. I've been here 46 years. Don't seem like I ought to be that old, even. But um, I am. <laughs> Raised our kids here. And, you know, I just want to thank the ones that have taught through the years and been an inspiration to me and to my kids. And there's so many of you that just the way you live your lives, um, I can look out through the crowd and see so many uh, that have been such an inspiration to me and still are. Um, but, you know, the thing I'm most proud of, and like Cass, is that my entire family is saved, with the exception of Cody's youngest son, who's six, and he, I think he'll accept Christ soon. Um, I've always said I think the two most important things you can do for your children is to make sure they're self-sustaining, where they can make a living, give them the opportunity to do that. But by and away, the most important thing you can do is make sure that they know the Lord. Yes. And, you know, 
God has worked so wonderful through Cody. Um, you know, I'm a big sports fan. I always have been. don't know much about nothing, but I know a little more about sports, and I do a lot of things. But they won those three championships at UNA, and it was great. And uh, the good part about it was that he gave Cody the opportunity to, to talk to a lot of people. There, when all that was going on, he had the opportunity to speak in churches and to different youth groups and things, and there were a lot of people reached uh, like that. And I've heard him say uh, in speaking that he would give up those, uh, when he dies, those three championship rings will be left behind, but what he has of the Lord will last through eternity. Amen. And that's what's important. And, you know, as a father, we're proud of our children. I'm proud of Amy, that beautiful voice she got. Y'all may not know it. She got it from me. I hadn't sung in the choir lately. But, <laughs> no, I've still got mine. The <laughs> only reason they wanted me in the choir is because I took up two seats. But uh, I, am, I am proud that, that my family is saved. And, you know, so many, today so many people, so many parents think that they're being good parents by giving their kids everything, taking them anywhere they want to go, doing anything for them, but never bring them to church. That's not being a good parent. I tell young people all the time, get your kids in church. Give them the opportunity. Um, okay, I'm in the Cody's time now. I remember when Peyton was born, uh, and this really made me feel good. We were going down the hall that night when we left, and I told Cody, I said, I hope you enjoy him as much as I've enjoyed you. And he said, I hope I'm as good a daddy as you were. And that really makes you feel good. And Diane used to say, he's going to hate you because, you know, I disciplined him pretty strong. And did Amy, too. But evidently he likes me all right. I'm living with him. <laughs> uh, I want to touch on Diane's illness just a little bit. I, I want to thank this church for your prayers, your visits, the ones of you who have taken the time to come and get her and take her places and spend time with her. Um, no worry about Diane. She's heaven bound. One of the most wonderful people I've ever known. And I don't want to get emotional, but I love her more now than I ever have. <laughs> but I do thank all of you. And the Lord has worked so much through that. I could tell you things he's done that are just unbelievable. Uh, like, for instance, he took care of us for two years. I stopped work two years before I started Social Security, and we lived on a small disability um, that she had and what little bit of money I'd saved and we didn't miss a beat. That's what our lesson was about this morning. If we give to the Lord and give back the things that are his, he'll take care of us. Um, now I'm fixing to close, but I want to touch on fathers. My dad, I don't know how many of you knew him. He was a simple man. He never wanted a lot in life. Back then, fathers didn't tell their kids they loved them like they do now. Every time we go somewhere, we tell each other we love each other and all that. But I think Billy Jean, as we related this in class, uh, I think it was 1991 when Daddy had a heart attack. It was the first time I remember him telling me he loved me. But the night he died, I sat down, and I'm pretty bad about this, I guess bad or good or whatever, but, and started writing down things. And I wrote down things he did for me. And, you know, he was telling me all those years he loved me. He just didn't say it in words. 
What about our Heavenly Father? You know, we have things happen to us, and we think, why is this happening to me? Why do all these good things happen to us? God takes care of us, I'll guarantee you. And I can say during all this with Diane that I've got so much closer to the Lord. And the Lord uses us. I mean, you know, he'll get your attention, I'll guarantee you. And in closing, this week, past week, we were at Amos for a family reunion. Uh, Diane's brother, his kids, their children, there was 21 of us there. Great time. Uh, just went by too quick. But there were some family members that weren't there. Diane wasn't there, of course. Mr. and Miss Camp's going to glory. But there'll be a family reunion in heaven when everybody will be there. Amen. And everybody will be well. And that reunion won't be short. It'll be forever. Amen. If you know the Lord, you'll be there. We'll be there with our family. We'll be there with our friends. And we'll be there with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you don't know the Lord, today would be a good time to, to accept him. Amen. That's, that's all. Okay. Okay. I'll just start way back. <laughs> uh, in 1955, Mary and I married. She was a Christian. I was lost as a goose. Uh, we were married in September of 55. And in 63, our son was born. He became a Christian when he was 10 or 11. Uh, of course, I'll back up a little. I became a Christian when I was, I don't know, but in 56. So that's been a while. But I know as a father and as a dad, as a Christian, I failed my family so many times, but they didn't turn their back on me. Uh, I still love them. They love me. Uh, but... My son will call about once a week. I can answer his first three questions. He'll say, how are you feeling? How's mom? Uh, what you been doing besides going to church twice today? <laughs> he call on Sunday night. So That's the thing we do is go to church. Most of all, we, we're a Christian six days a week. We go to church on Sunday. We draw strength from each of you. Uh, of course, we worship. We praise the Lord. But if it wasn't for the church, we would be a really weak person. But a lot of times we hear people say, well, it don't make any difference what we do. Uh, the only one it hurts is me. But... It hurts everybody around. Amen. We're leaving some kind of legacy, uh, whether it be good or whether it be bad. But I do thank God for a Christian family. Uh, but when we uh, come to a point where we can't uh, be a, 
an inspiration to someone why there's something wrong. But uh, we talked about it the other Wednesday morning in class. We need to live our lives. If I get up and hook the vote on Sunday morning, somebody will say, well, he's going to church, uh, going to fishing after church today. So uh, hopefully we live our life in that manner. But uh, there's always somebody watching you, whether it be friends, family, uh, people know what you do. And I got a little poem, if you don't, uh, it, uh, some of you's heard it, but I'm gonna read this. A careful man I ought to be, a little fellow follows me. I do not care to go astray, for fear he'll go the self-same way. I cannot once escape his eyes. Whatever he sees me do, he tries. Like me, he says he's going to be that little chap who follows me. He thinks that I'm good and fine, believe in every work of mine. The base in me he must not see, the little chap who follows me. I must remember as I go through summer sun and winter snow, I'm building for the years to be the little chap who follows me. Happy Father's Day. Growing up, I didn't have a true church family. We never went to church. My dad would go every blue moon. Um, but whenever I got to be about 12, we moved to Tennessee and started going to church regularly. I got saved at 13 there through youth groups, through like the trips that the youth is going on right now. I know we look at that sometimes and think how expensive it is or they're just going to play, but you never know who's going to be there, who's going to get saved through that. That was the way that I got saved. Um, God's blessed us through the years, gave me Lori. We have three children. One's already in heaven. And for them to come to the Lord, what's the best gift you've ever been given? You know, what's your best moments you can think of? You know, your marriage, when you're born, your wife, you know. It's hard to put that into words, but looking back, God, we're his children, and whenever we're saved, he's so proud and so happy. I feel that relationship that when my children were saved, I got the feeling that God is whenever one of us comes to know him. So take the time to meet people, tell them about Christ, because it's the greatest gift that they'll ever know or ever will know. We lost my stepdad in December, and he and my mother actually got a divorce whenever I was about 11. He never stopped being my dad, though, because who he was. He was a standoff, sort of gruff person. And I got to thank him for being the dad 
that he didn't have to be. And his only words were, I failed all the time. As humans, we fail, but God will forgive us and just remember to put him first. And, and to your dad still here, give him a hug. Good morning again, everybody. In uh, 2001, the Lord blessed Jada and I with Byron. And again, in 2003, he gave us a huge blessing with Titus. At the time, I thought that that made me a father. Technically, it did. But I've learned since then that there's so much more than just having children to being a dad. A father is a leader. He's a teacher, a protector. He has to have a lot of patience. <laughs> a lot of patience. He's understanding and sympathetic. A father is forgiving. Um, these are all qualities that I had very little of at that point in time. But thank God, one day, I found God myself. Um, I invited Jesus into my heart. I told him that I was ready to stop living for myself and start living for him. The Bible says, seek and you shall find. Well, one day I started seeking and I found what I was looking for in, in Christ. I found all those things that I had been missing. I found forgiveness, sympathy, understandingness. God showed me what it really meant to be a father. His example showed me what it meant to be a dad. And by following him, I was able to find all these qualities that I needed. I drastically changed the way that I was living. And I could see that it had a profound effect on my family. Amen. I started leading as a father should with love. Just like God was teaching me to. In return, I could see my family responding with love. Amen. I feel like now that my marriage to Jada is everything that God meant for a marriage to be when he was creating man and woman. Amen. I don't see how it could possibly be any better. Because I started leading and teaching as God was teaching me, it brought me closer with my boys, too. And because I'm trying to live the way that God wants me to, I'm able to help them with their walk with the Lord. And let me tell you, there's nothing that does a parent's heart any better than to see his two boys take that step of faith, come out in this aisle, walk down here, and accept Christ as their Savior. 
That's a day that I will never forget. Another day I'll never forget is the day that they were baptized right up here. I'll never forget that. God has really blessed me with my wife and my children. And he's teaching me, even now, to be a real father. So dads, this is what I've learned. I now realize that God has given us our families. They are blessings that God has given us. It is our responsibility to take care of them the way that God wants. The way that God will approve of. Dads, how can we lead our families to Christ if we don't know him ourselves? As fathers, we are leaders. And we have to be leading in the right direction if we want to be followed. If we're leading with love, God's love, they will follow our example too. Children eight years old and younger were dismissing for Kids Corner for Children's Church. Eight years old and younger. There is not a single thing that I can say any better than what has just been said about Father's Day and about being a father. And so, with your permission, I'd like to just continue on the series that uh, we began four weeks ago, entitled Eternity, What Awaits You After Death. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul asks two questions that concern every single person in this room today. How are the dead raised up? And what kind of body do they have? You see, Paul was writing to some Christians who were struggling with the same question that we all struggle with from time to time. That question is, what happens after you die? Well, they were living about 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but their thinking about life and about death and about what happens after death had been influenced greatly by the culture that they were living in. The same thing happens with us today. Our thinking and our methodology and our belief system is greatly influenced by the culture that we live in. So it's very important, brothers and sisters, that we base our beliefs on the Word of God and nothing more, okay? Um, so far in this series, Eternity, What Awaits You After Death, we have found that physical death is the separation of the body from the soul. Uh, at the death of the believer, we found that the body is committed to the grave. And that the soul and the spirit immediately go to be with Christ our Lord. But I want to tell you this morning that death is an abnormal condition. We think that death is normal. That death is like taxes. But friend, death was not originally part of God's plan. Death is an abnormal condition. Why? 
because it tears apart the very fiber, the very being of what God created and joined together when he first created man and woman. God intended for our bodies to last just as long as our soul. But the reason that we break down is not because of the weakness in our body. The reason that we break down and die is because sin, that awful, dreaded, cancerous disease we call sin, has infected these bodies, and therefore these bodies don't last like God intended them to. While the truth of the resurrection of these bodies confirms that we are indeed made up of spiritual and physical entities, I want you to know that one day God is going to put them together again. God fully intends to put the spirit and the body back together again. Many people could care less about what happens to this body after we die. Many people are just hoping that ibuprofen and Bengay and duct tape will keep us up and running. Amen? Hopefully. Hopefully is right. But let me share with you today, friend, that there's some exciting news of what the, what the Bible says is awaiting the believer physically. Say physically. Some exciting news about what awaits the believer physically. One day you are going to experience the ultimate extreme makeover. Amen? Amen. The ultimate extreme makeover. You'll be able to look forward to a brand new body. A brand new body. And so today I want to share four truths with you that come from the scriptures that tell about being transformed for life. A life in heaven. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul gives us a glimpse. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body will they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps some wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another flesh of fish, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory that's like the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another in that glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written... The first man, Adam, became a living being, and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spirit is not first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord. 
the Lord of heaven. And as the man of dust was, so also are those who are made of dust. As is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And we have borne the image of the man of dust. We shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Talking about Jesus Christ our Lord. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot, say cannot. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Be, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed. Behold, I tell you a mystery. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Let us pray. Father, teach us today that you want the soul and the body to be reunited, and so it shall be. Father, teach us, Lord, that we don't have to have any fear about what happens after we die, because you are in full control, and you have a plan for the believer. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Friends, I wanted to tell you that there are several things that you need to know about your new body. Several things that you need to know about your new body. First of all, the new body is real. This is not some made-up thing. The new body is real. In verse 36, Paul addresses that first question. How are the dead raised up? What is he saying there? Well, what he's saying is, is that the death of the old is necessary for the resurrection of the new. Let's read verse 36 one more time. Foolish one. What you sow is not made alive unless it dies. It cannot be made alive unless it dies. This verse says that the body is sown. And what that word sown is used for there is means the body is buried. It's sown. Obviously, there is no way to receive the new until the old is passed. No way that you can have the new resurrection body until this old one of flesh and blood is gone. So you cannot have the new until the old has passed. Second, this new body, it's a new body, yet it is part of the old body. Let's read in verse 37. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps some other kind of grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. Paul uses this illustration of the seed to explain what he means about the relationship between the old you and the new you. He says, the seed doesn't look like the fruit it's going to produce. For instance, when you plant a pumpkin seed, it does not look like a pumpkin. It does not look like the fruit it will produce. But you can't get the pumpkin unless you plant the seed. You have to plant the seed. You'll be getting a new body, yet it will be like the old body. Your resurrected body will be a brand new you. A brand new you. Joni Erickson Tata uh, was paralyzed in a diving accident, and she explains it so well. She says, somewhere in my broken, paralyzed body is the seed of what I shall become. She says, right now, I have legs, and they're shriveled up and useless. But in heaven, I am convinced that I will still have legs. 
but that they will be strong and they will be beneficial, beneficial legs. Randy Alcorn gives this analogy. He says, at age 16, I was saved. And when I was saved, I became a brand new person. Yet I was still the same person I always had been. I was still Randy Alcorn, but I was a significantly changed Randy Alcorn. This same Randy, he says, will undergo another change at death and yet another change at the resurrection. But he said, through all these changes, I continue to be who I was and who I always shall be. The same, just dramatically different. See, the new, the new body is not only real, but you need to know that the new body will also be recognizable. One of the most often asked questions concerning heaven is one I touched on two weeks ago. And that is, will we know our loved ones and will our loved ones know us? Well, the only example that we really have of what the resurrected body will be like is that that we read about Jesus. After he was resurrected and before he ascended to heaven. Jesus walked on the earth in his resurrection body, did so for 40 days, and he gave us a glimpse of what it would be like when we walk in our resurrected human bodies. We're going to have bodies like Jesus, the Bible says. We're not going to be little Jesuses, but we are going to have bodies like Jesus, the Bible says. And Jesus had the same body that he had before he died. The same body he had before he died, and he was recognized by his friends after he was resurrected. Think about this. Amy, Amy Carmichael said, Will we know each other in heaven? Shall we love in heaven? Will we remember in heaven? She says, Don't you doubt it for a minute. We shall. I mean, would you be yourself if you didn't remember? Would you be yourself if you didn't remember? We're told that we shall be like our Lord Jesus Christ. He certainly loves, amen? He certainly remembers, amen? I'm glad he remembers me. He wouldn't be himself if he didn't love. He wouldn't be himself if he didn't remember. Neither would you be yourself if you didn't love or if you didn't remember. Yet when the resurrected Lord Jesus appeared, he was so different that his friends almost didn't recognize him. He arose from the dead, but his body still bore the marks of the cross. And that's how his disciples knew that he was indeed their Lord. He had a real body that could touch and be touched. He had a real body that could eat and did eat. But not only is this body real, not only is this body recognizable, but the new body is going to be radically different. The second question in verse 35, the Corinthians were asking Paul, what kind of body are we going to have that's suitable for heaven? What kind of body are we going to have that's going to be suitable for a whole eternity in heaven? Verse 42, Paul begins to answer that question. And he does so by drawing a series of contrasts, a series of comparisons. And the first one is this. 
the new body will be indestructible. He says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It's good to know that our new bodies, our new resurrection bodies are going to be indestructible. Our new bodies are not going to be like these old bodies. These current bodies, they wear out over time. We get old and we begin to notice that things don't work like they used to. Can I get a testimony? Amen? Amen. Things don't work like they used to. We begin to understand that old saying, if it don't hurt, then it don't work. <laughs> Amen? Anybody ever said that before? Amen. We find that no matter what all those infomercials promise you, you're not going to stop the aging process. You may slow it down. You may camouflage it, but you're not stopping the aging process. It comes whether you're ready or not. But these new bodies that we're going to have, that the Bible talks about, are going to be meant to last forever. These new bodies, these new resurrection bodies, are not going to be subject to disease. They won't be subject to aging. They won't be subject to decay. These new resurrection bodies literally will outlive the stars. They're indestructible. But the new body will also be glorious. Verse 43 says, The body is sown in dishonor, but it will be raised in glory. Raised in glory. We will possess a new body with abilities far beyond our wildest imagination. After his resurrection, the Lord Jesus had power to come and go as he pleased. He come and went. Walls or distance didn't make any difference to Jesus. They were not even an obstacle. In John 20, 25, Jesus came into the upper room without even opening a door. Now, am I saying we're going to be able to do that? I don't know. In fact, Randy Alcorn points out, though we uh, know that Christ could do all these things, we're not told that we're going to be able to. It's likely that some aspects of the Lord's resurrection body are unique because of who he is. Because he's God, and we're not. We may or may not share those special abilities that Jesus possessed, but whatever the abilities we do have, they're going to be more than you ever could have dreamed of. The new body is going to be a spectacular body. It's going to be a glorious body, and it's going to be an indestructible body. But this new body is also going to be an infinite body. It's going to be sown the natural body, but it'll be raised a spiritual body. To say that we have a spiritual body doesn't mean we're going to be some disembodied spirit somewhere floating around. Somehow Christians have come to the conclusion that their life is going to, in eternity is going to be as some kind of spirit floating around. For lack of a better way of putting it, they think they're going to be like a ghost. But that's not true. That's not true. We're going to have real bodies. We're not going to be some ghost-like spiritual being. And Jesus reassured his disciples of this in Luke chapter 24. Listen to what he said in Luke 24. In verse 36, Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And when he said to them, why are you so troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet. It's I myself. Handle me and see. 
For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? That's going to be Brother Bill right there. Y'all got any food here? Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to be a lean, mean fighting machine. I'm going to be eating like a trooper. Amen. Jesus said, have you got any food here? And so they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. And he took it and he ate it right there in their presence, in his resurrected body. Wow. R.A. Torrey, great preacher, wrote this. Christians are not going to be some disembodied spirit. They're going to be a redeemed spirit in a redeemed body in a redeemed universe. They're going to be raised with a body that's suitable for a new life. And it's going to be real, and it's going to be recognizable, yet it will be radically different. Finally, the new body will be received at Christ's return. In verse 51 and 52, Paul answers that question. Who will be resurrected and when? Verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We, say we. We, we shall not all sleep, but we, say we. we. But we shall all be changed. In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we, say we, we are going to be changed. Who's going to be changed? We are going to be changed. The Christians, the believer who has placed his faith, placed his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the one that's going to be changed. She is the one who's going to get the glorified, brand new body. Paul further explains the sequence of events in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, listen to this. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we, say we, then we shall, who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we shall always be with the Lord. Who's going to be? Amen. When do we receive this indestructible, glorified, powerful, infinite body? When? When the Son of God returns to give it to us. When the Son of God returns to give it to those who have placed their faith, placed their trust in Him for salvation. In closing, I love the epitaph that Ben Franklin wrote when he was still a young man. It wonderfully catches the spirit that Paul wrote with in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, Here lies the body of Ben Franklin, printer. Like the cover of an old book with its contents torn out, but the work shall not be lost. For it will appear once more in a new and more elegant edition, revised and corrected by the greatest author of all time, the Lord God. Of creation men fathers brothers and sisters do you trust in the Lord's ability alone to save you and grant you this new body suitable for heaven 
suitable for an eternity in heaven. As was mentioned by so many of the men this morning, the greatest thrill, the greatest blessing they had was seeing their child come to know the Lord Jesus. Why? Because they want for their children the same thing they've been assured of themselves, an eternity with God set aside for the believer in heaven. Friend, if you've never made that decision yourself, because it is a choice, we want to offer a decision time this morning where you can do just that. Place your trust in Him alone so that your eternity is locked and secure. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord above, we're so thankful for your plan. We're so thankful, Lord, that the promise of a, a brand new body free from sickness, free from disease, free from sadness, free from tears, is ours if we choose Jesus. Father, if there's one today, even one, Father, we pray that you would quicken their spirit and speak to their mind and encourage them to take that step of faith that so many before them have taken to give their lives to Christ and be assured of the manifold promises that you give in your word. Father, it's up to you. No preacher can do it. No church can do it. Lord, would you speak to them as only you can? Would you encourage them, Lord, to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior so that you be glorified and they be blessed? In Jesus' great and holy name we pray. And all the people of God said,